welcome to the Rush Valley Podcast, where we talk about all things outdoors and hopefully some badass stories. What's up, guys? I'm your host, Anders Launce, and today we'll be talking with Dylan. I'm not going to pronounce his last name because I don't even know how to do it. He can do that for us. Uh, Dylan is part of the hunting show called The Breaking Point. So uh, let's get into this. First off, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, Dylan, why don't you introduce yourself to everyone? Um, I'm Dylan Gielig. <laughs> I guess that's how you pronounce my last name. Uh, most people usually get it wrong. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I've been, uh, uh, I'm from central Wisconsin, um, actually the east side, uh, near Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Uh, and yeah, I'm filming for the breaking point right now. This is our, uh, mine and my two buddies. Uh, second year doing it, uh, but we've been filming for about, I think, six years now. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, it adds uh, another element to um, just trying to hunt and can kill a mature deer, um, and then yet alone try to try to get good video and good content of it. So, um, yeah. No, oh, that's awesome. Uh huh. This is this is kind of my first podcast, not really knowing. Uh, who the guest actually is, so I'm excited to to get to know you. Um, awesome. Second off, congratulations on getting engaged. I saw that on Instagram. That's it's a big stepping stone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we've been together for eight years now. So awesome. Yeah, finally, yeah. finally topped the question, and uh, yeah. Now she gets to control when you hunt and when you don't get to hunt. <laughs> no, <laughs> she said, she pretty much said I was free for the fall now. So. That's perfect. That's good. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> that's why you put the ring on her. Yeah. So I kind of ask everyone, just because everyone's story is a little unique, um, I ask everyone the story. Basically, how how you got into the outdoors, uh, how you got started hunting. Obviously, you know all of us that are in the outdoors, and and some are different. But I mean, some of us are a little crazy. So, um, how did you how did you get started uh, hunting? Yeah, um, so my father introduced me to the sport. Uh, I've been hunting since I was, I think, when I was younger, the legal age was 12. So um, he took me gun hunting, uh, bought me a bow, uh, and then I pretty much hunted just by myself. I I, I hunted before um, I could legally hunt by myself with my dad a little bit, um, just hunting with him and, and watching him. But once I reached the age of 12, my dad pretty much just put me in the tree by myself and, and let me go at it. Um, I was pretty fortunate to have some uh, private ground that my two uncles owned that was actually right next to our house. Um, so I had free range of a, a bunch of land. And uh, so anytime after school, take our four wheeler and go right down the road and go hunting. And, uh, when I was 13, I shot a pretty decent 10 pointer with my bow. Um, and it definitely got me hooked. And then the year after that, I, uh, ended up shooting uh, a buck that was like 23 inches wide, had a drop time. Um, pretty crazy for a 14 year old to shoot. And, uh, I would say that would definitely, definitely got me hooked on the sport and, I've, I've loved it more and more ever since then. So I guess that's kind of how I got into it. It was just, like I said, you know, introduced by my dad and, and now we do it together um, all the time. So that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, I would say shooting those deer at a young age will definitely will definitely uh, yeah. keep you coming back. <laughs> For sure. I know. Most, most people don't get cracks at deer like that in their life, entire life. And yeah, to get that at 14, it was, it was pretty special. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I know everyone's everyone's story is a little unique, you know. Um, I grew up, you know, same thing. I kind of hunted with my cousin, but I never had anyone really – Never, my my family, no one in my family hunted at all. I don't even know, I think, well, I guess I had a cousin who came down to my, you know, my, we used to farm, so he came down to my place and kind of asked, you know, hey, want to go hunting? I was like, sure. I, I had no idea what I was getting involved with, and, and that was more of like the Wisconsin gun season. He didn't really bow hunt much. He just, he was just, you know, go drink some beers and, and go sit open in the morning and push the woods and go back and do the same thing over again so that's kind of how i got you know i just it's fun to hear people's how they got involved just because everyone's different yeah yeah for sure so um you how old are you i am 23 okay gonna be 24 in about a month yeah so we're not i'm 23 too so where did you where did you go to school um you don't have to say high school or whatever but college um yeah, I went to uh, UW Madison. Oh, cool! Yeah, that's yep. I go to I go to Madison too. So you were probably here right a few on. years while while I was here too, I guess. But um, yeah, I uh, I graduated last December. Nice with a degree degree in mechanical engineering. Well, you're you're a lot smarter than I am then. <laughs> so so uh, what did what was your kind of plans after college? What did you want to do? Um, well, I always, I always had the goal of, um, coming an engineer probably since I was, I don't know, early high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got into that, but then I did always get, I got into the filming thing, like end of, uh, end of uh, high school and the freshman year of college. So I did kind of want to pursue something with that, but ended up sticking in the mechanical engineering route. Um, and I just always wanted to look for something, a job that had something to do with the hunting or fishing industry. Um, so I was fortunate enough. Uh, I, I got a position, um, at Mercury Marine, at Mercury Marine as a, uh, manufacturing engineer. Uh, so I've been there for almost a year now, 11 months or so. So, um, it's an awesome place to work and it, and it kind of fits my lifestyle too. So complain yeah that's awesome um kind of get to see everything that goes on with with that kind of stuff which is cool right what uh what do you exactly do kind of like what's your day-to-day um yeah so um i'm a manufacturing engineer and we take care of uh i'm on the assembly side so basically uh creating all the assembly lines um dealing with everyday production issues uh, I currently work second shift, which has its pros and cons. Um, pros are mainly that I can hunt and do stuff in the morning. But, uh, um, yeah, basically just uh, constantly dealing with production, uh, make sure the lines are up and running, but then also getting projects to inc- uh, increase capacities, uh, stuff like that, uh, introducing new products to the line. So, We've been pretty pretty swamped lately, so it's been good there. I bet, yeah. No, that's cool. And aside from that, yeah, you kind of talked about you. You didn't really know if you wanted to get into um, more c- 
content creating or or stick to engineering how did you you know anyone in your family or what kind of got you involved in doing content that's a that's a long story but <laughs> we got some time so yeah. um go ahead so when i was uh junior in high school um junior into senior year i fell in love with the show midwest whitetail i think almost every study hall I thought I would do was watch old episodes of Midwest Whitetail uh, from Bill Linky and, and that really, really got me interested in trying to capture and film my hunt. So I had uh, bought a GoPro and mounted it to like the stabilizer of my bow. And uh, my dad had just purchased the current property that we hunt on in central Wisconsin. And uh, it was our first year out there and I wanted to, to film all the hunts with this GoPro. Well, um, I ended up shooting uh, an eight-pointer, just nothing huge, an eight-pointer with like a 15-inch spread. Uh, but I got it all on film with my GoPro, and, and the video is not the greatest because the deer looks like he's the size of the quarter in the GoPro video. But uh, you could see the whole thing, and uh, it was absolutely awesome to be able to capture that all on camera. Um, so that was junior year of high school. Senior year, we went into it, um, got together with two of my good friends, Brandon and Hunter, and uh, we decided we were going to start filming. Uh, We ended up renting, like, two little cameras from our high school. They let us borrow. Uh, And we started filming kind of all our hunts, anything we were doing. Um, We created a show called Knockout Outdoors on, on YouTube. Um, which I think we ended up getting like maybe 200, 300 subscribers. Uh, so it's pretty small. Um, just filming, like I said, filming everything we could. We wanted to do hunting, fishing. My dad was into, really into trapping, so we were filming that stuff. Um, just anything we could kind of create videos around. And uh, so we ended up going into our freshman year of college uh, trying to film as much as we could. So, um, we ended up going to a, a deer and turkey expo in Madison. And Midwest White Hill was, had a booth there. So we went up there and, uh, met the guys, uh, specifically Eric Barber. And, uh, we got talking with him. He gave us his business card. Um, so then over that year, I'd been just sending him the videos we were creating, asking for advice, how we can make things better. Um, not like ever thinking, uh, we'd be able to get on the show. Um, but that freshman year I shot, uh, a really beautiful nine pointer with my gun and had the whole video, everything, everything was really good. Put the whole video together and then sent it to Eric again, just asking for advice. What, what can I do better? Um, and after he watched the video, he actually, uh, offered us a position on Midwest Whitetail. Um, so the position was for me and one other guy. And that was tough because it's always been a group of three between Hunter, Brandon, and I. And uh, so I had Hunter come on with me, which was probably one of the hardest decisions I've had to make mm-hmm. in the last how many years. Um, but we worked really hard that year. Brandon still helped us film. Um, so we were on, uh, Midwest, right. Whitetail, great Lakes show. It was one of their regional shows. 
uh, it was super cool to be a, a part of that. I mean, we, we got to go down to Iowa uh, once a year, meet with the whole crew, got to meet Bill Winky and, and all that stuff. So it was kind of a <laughs> something I never thought we'd actually achieve within like three years of, of filming, yeah. um, which is pretty neat. The following year, or I should say the first year there, we my hunter shot a pretty nice buck on camera. Um, so then they, they allowed us to bring a third guy on the next year. So we brought Brandon on, uh, we then filmed for two more years there and, uh, it was, it was awesome working with the guys there. Met a lot of cool guys, made a lot of cool connections, um, which I, I couldn't, I would never, uh, take back because it really kind of launched us forward in, in the filming industry. So I think it was end of my uh, senior year. Uh, we had just finished up our third season with Midwest Whitetail. And the breaking point um, came out with something on their Instagram saying that they were looking for another team to join, join the breaking point. And uh, we'd always been kind of looking to possibly get out of Midwest Whitetail because we were on the Great Lakes show, but there were, there was like five regions um, with a ton of guys. So, I mean, there was over 100 guys filming for the show, which it, it's tough to try to, to get your name out in, uh, when, you're, when you're on such a big show like that. So the Breaking Point came out with this draft that they were doing. Basically, you had to create a one-minute video of all your footage um, that – that you've had from the past and, and kind of create a highlight reel. So we, uh, we spent one full day. I mean, we started at like seven in the morning, went to like eight at night and created a one minute video with our best footage from the past, like four years <clears throat> and, uh, sent it in, ended up getting selected and, uh, talked to the guys, um, figured out what, what the whole, what the whole gig was about and, ended up deciding um, that it was definitely better for our future and growth as um, us, like Hunter Brand and I, to, to grow in the industry and uh, to make a, a bigger name for ourselves. So, uh, yeah, and I, I can't say um, anything bad about that decision because it definitely was the right decision to make. Uh, we've met so many cool guys through this show, and, and uh, it feels pretty awesome to be part of uh, – a small group like that who puts together what I think sometimes is some pretty badass content. Um, they've, they've taken us on and, uh, accepted us on the team. Like awesome. I mean, they've invited us out to their camp up in North Dakota and, uh, helped us film whenever we needed guys. And, uh, yeah, like I said, just an awesome team to work with. Yeah. That's, that's pretty awesome. Um, some crazy stories. That's, I would also say that's pretty badass. But going back to like when you're talking about, you know, as as a kid, I just I that clicks with me when you're sitting in school and the only thing you're thinking about is watching hunting on YouTube and and that's all you do is just sit there and and uh and watch. And and I agree. I mean, I think Midwest Whitetail is some of the best. I mean, aside from um the awesome hunts and and killing big bucks like Sometimes uh, it's it's more like I like to watch good content, 
even if you're not killing, you know, if there's not kill shots, I love watching awesome, like awesome content. And that's why, you know, that's why I like watching Midwest Whitetail. And, and now I've been watching the breaking point before you guys even, um, you guys even went on there and I was like, wow, these guys, these guys are awesome. Like really, really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny that you brought up Eric Barber. My girlfriend actually, um, works at Vortex now. So she's, she works with Eric Barber and she, she said she can't say enough good things about him too. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Eric's a pretty good guy. Um, none, done nothing but help us kind of get kickstarted in the industry. Like, if it weren't for him, we went to Ben Abbott and Bush Whitetail and wouldn't have started anything. So, yeah, that's awesome. I've I've heard he's just a a super good guy. So, no, that's yeah. cool. Um, so as as you know, um, you know, you you uh, you get your gear from your school, and then you know you're renting your gear from your school, some cameras as a young kid, and then it's time to kind of start buying buying your own stuff, like. We all know that it's not cheap to buy a camera gear. So what do you guys what do you guys kind of run for for camera gear? Yeah, so so we started out with um, just renting the cameras. We then eventually bought our own little camcorders. I think they're like a hundred hundred fifty bucks off of Amazon, maybe. So it's nothing special. Um, but then we kind of bumped it up to the next level. Um, funny. Uh, Another kind of funny, ironic story is um, Hunter was the first one to kind of buy a nicer camera. I think it was like a T3i um, DSLR from Canon. Ended up ended up buying it from uh, Jake Huchman, um yep. from the Hunting Public. Mm-hmm. Uh, before Jake was on, or he was on Midwest Whitetail before yep. we were. Um, so that's how we kind of really got to know Jake because he's actually right from our area here. Um, but Hunter bought that camera. Then I bought a, a Canon G30, which is a, a bigger um, camcorder. And uh, for the first couple of years, we used that stuff. Um, I eventually then went and got a, a Canon T5i, which was a, a basic DSLR um, for photos and videos. Um, and then we kind of just started down the route of Staying with the DSLRs and the mirrorless cameras because of the, the quality. Uh, Hunter and Brandon have always stuck with Canon. I ventured off to a Sony mirrorless camera uh, for a little bit, but ended up jumping back to Canon. So now Hunter and I run uh, Canon EOS R. Uh, it's a mirrorless camera, uh, and, Hunt, and Brandon runs a Canon EOS R. Uh, R6, which is uh, a step above what Hunter and Brandon or Hunter and I run. Uh, then we run the uh, uh, 7200 uh, f 2.8 lenses um, and wide angle and 24 to 70. And we have more gear now than I, <laughs> I would ever imagine that we that we would have came across. But I mean, it's definitely a stepping stone. We didn't just go out and buy these top of line cameras uh, yeah. right away. I mean. You definitely, if you're going to get into it, my best advice would be just to get something pretty basic and that's actually in your budget before you know you actually like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because filming is is very difficult and it, it gets tiring and, and it gets sickening. Yeah. Um, not going to lie, by the end of November, 
I am kind of sick of constantly hanging a camera arm and, and, uh, setting up all of our equipment. But I know in the end that it's worth it when we, we get all the content, but it just adds all that extra setup and take down time every time you hunt. So, um, yeah, you definitely want to make sure it's something you really want to do before investing a lot of money into it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you get to sit down at the end of the day and you get to sit on the couch and watch what you created, there's nothing uh, cooler than watching a couple of buddies right. be able to kill an animal on, on film, which is awesome. Exactly. Yeah. My, my episode from last season just came out actually yesterday for the breaking point And, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool to pretty much watch all my hunts from the middle of October till the middle of November and uh, rewatch that and be able to, you know, rewatch that for years to come and maybe eventually share with my kids one day too. For sure, yeah. You, I, I had to go watch it, so I, I watched it and it, I, it's awesome. I mean, like, the content that you guys are creating is, I, I'd put you right up there with everyone else. I mean, like, the... Um, the hunting public, Midwest Whitetail, I would put you guys right up there. I mean, I don't know yeah. who, I, I forget, uh, who is your guys' main, like, content producers or, like, uh, uh, editors? Yeah, and, Dylan Lenz, Mike Mantle, and yep. uh, Aaron, Aaron Scripcheck are, are three main producers right now. So. Yeah, they they do awesome, awesome work. So I, yeah. I kind of, um, this kind of just popped in my head. So when you guys are filming you get all your, um, you know, you, you film, you get everything filmed and then you, do you guys edit yourself or do you send it to them? We just pretty much send it all to them. So last year, um, we were, we were able to wait to the end of the season. Um, get basically gave them a hard drive and then they put everything together. This year's a little different. We're kind of doing a, a little semi live series, one video a week to kind of keep viewers engaged and, update them on how our season's going. Um, but so this year now we're, we're transferring files, um, online and getting files and everything to them so they can edit the video within a week. But, um, yeah, we don't actually do any of the editing, which is, is kind of nice because with a full-time job and everything else going on in life, it, it, it would be tough to try to edit and produce all that stuff when, Luckily, luckily enough for our show, we've got a couple guys that are full time that are uh, able to to put everything together for us. Yeah, no, I that would be a pain in the ass to have to first. Yeah, you know, you got enough going on as is, and you got a life. I mean, you got a life. You got a girlfriend, family. Um, mm-hmm. At a certain point, you kind of got to take a little break. But no, that's that's super cool. I honestly like the semi live thing too. I think that is awesome. Like being able to watch throughout the season what's going on versus uh, at the end of the season kind of thing. I yeah, I'm well, glad, I'm glad you guys are doing that. It definitely keeps the viewers engaged more and, and kind of helps people constantly stay following along with the show. So yeah, no, yeah, it's a definitely a, a cool piece that we added this year. Uh, yeah, if I would say one thing, that's that's all. I'm glad you guys did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Um, Getting into what is the breaking point? Um, give me just a detailed description of what it is, how it kind of got started. Uh, if you know, I'm, I'm sure you know. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me what it is. I mean, everything about it. Yeah, so the breaking point right now, we're going on to 
obviously this is going to be season nine that we're filming for. So it's be the, the ninth year that the show's been running. Um, it started back, uh, when Mike Mantle and, uh, Brennan Nading actually were in college together. Um, they've told the story a couple of times, but they were like in the same dorm, I believe just on different floors. And, um, apparently they both found out that they, um, both killed a lot of turkeys so they i think it was kind of a little bit of a rivalry at first where uh they were seeing who could kill more turkeys and everything for a year or two and uh eventually decided just to you know link up and and hunt together and and kill as many turkeys as they possibly could um and then they kind of just started filming and everything from there at that point um then i believe they brought dylan on pretty early in the first year or two um, and kind of just kick-started the show that way, and, and we're doing it with uh, some of their buddies that they, they hunted with and kind of just started hunting and filming um, everything they were doing. Um, they're also, I know when they graduated, were working full-time jobs yet in the beginning. Um, I know Brennan was working full-time, and he was hunting out in North Dakota one year. I think he said uh, he went out to North Dakota like, 14 or 15 times in one year, uh, just on the weekend. So he'd be leaving work Friday, coming back home and going to work right away Monday morning. Um, so they definitely grinded for a couple of years there, uh, to get the show where it's at now. But basically the breaking point, uh, is a show, um, that is mainly revolved around white tails. Um, but we have, um, also branched out to uh, the western side of the U.S. and and hunted for muleys and elk, um, black bear uh, out out in um, northern Wisconsin, Minnesota. So uh, it's kind of a whole range of a hunting series, um, mainly typically bow hunting. Uh, we do get some muscle loader and gun hunting stuff, but I would say 90% of it is uh, bow hunting. So. Uh, I, like I said, I like to think it's a, it's a pretty badass show that we put together every year. And, uh, yeah, we're just trying to continue to grow and, uh, and really create a following. Yeah. I mean, so far so good. Yeah. Um, what are like, as a member, your guys's team, you and your buddy's team, what are basically like an expectation that you guys have from the breaking point? Yeah. So we work with, um, a bunch of sponsors. And, uh, expectation is always, um, photo and video content. Um, I think like every month, um, the breaking point sends out email to us, updating us on how we're sitting for photo content with all the sponsors. We have certain goals that we need to hit for each sponsor. Um, so yeah, I mean, as long as we're constantly getting photos and videos throughout the year to them, um, yeah, that's pretty much basically it. I mean, the goal is always to try to kill a deer, um, at least a couple. I mean, to try to get a couple episodes, but you know, something. So it, it's uh, it, it's not always guaranteed. So their expectation pretty much is just to you know get out in the woods as much as we possibly can and uh, get as much possible content as well. So film as much cool shit as you can. Yeah, pretty much. That's fun. I mean, obviously, it's like. You don't want it to be a job because uh, then, it, you know, it, it takes the fun out of it. But, you know, you have to kind of enjoy what you do and, and have some fun with it and drink some beers right. or whatever. 
Oh yeah, there's plenty of that. <laughs> what what is it that sets you guys apart from you know other YouTube channels? Like, you know, I mean, yeah, it's it's difficult. Yeah, I think it's, it's hard hard to get where you're at. It definitely is, um, for sure, no doubt. Um, I think we always try to produce the highest quality stuff. Um, that's why we strictly pretty much film with, um, mirrorless or DSLR cameras. Um, they seem to produce the best high quality footage compared to like a camcorder. Um, we also have a rule that we can't self film, uh, which definitely makes it a little tough for a team of three sometimes, but we, we always figure it out and find somebody. But, uh, so I don't really want to sell filming because it's, it's just too difficult to get solid, good content and hunt at the same time. Um, we've tried it in the past when there was whitetail and it's just, it's not easy. So, uh, we've always got somebody in the tree with us filming and, uh, yeah, like I said, making the best content and also trying to be real while we, while we do it. Um, that goes back to trying to incorporate everything that we do back at camp making food, eating, drinking some beers, hanging out, having a good time, laughing. And, you know, it, it just really adds to the, the whole thing. But I would say, yeah, that, that's pretty much kind of what we're trying to do to set us apart. For sure. Yeah. And like I said before, kind of sometimes it's kind of cool to just see those kind of things because as your typical hunting show, you know, back in the day and, and nothing about against them, but like your jury outdoors and your, Lee and Tiffany Lukoski's, it's just, it's kill shot after kill shot after kill shot. And it's like, someone, sometimes that shit gets old, you know? Like, yeah, we like seeing big bucks die, but, like, you know, I want to see what everyone else is doing, you know, the deer camp uh, with it all, you know? It's, I don't know. I That's why I like the <laughs> these YouTube channels now that are kind of showing behind-the-scenes stuff, drinking beer and, and, I mean, eating food, whatever it is, traveling. Uh, it's all cool to see that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, for sure. It definitely, definitely adds a different element to it, and it makes it more real. Because I mean, for majority of the people that hunt out there, they're not going out to kill big bucks like that every hunt. So, um, definitely resonates with, with the regular hunter a lot more. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, aside from all the the filming shit, the easy shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So now you're preparing for season. I mean, season's underway, obviously, which is awesome. But when you're when you're going into a season, what? How are you? How are you preparing? You know, not just for filming, but for you know yourself, uh, food plots, setting up tree stands. Um, you know, you said you got some public or some private land. How are you preparing? Yep. How are you preparing for a season? Um. So start with our property um my dad ended up buying that i believe this is our sixth year on it now um which i'm very fortunate um that he was able to purchase that property because it honestly has made our hunting a lot of fun um the amount of deer and bucks on the property is, is pretty nuts so but uh for prep wise i mean in the summer we are out there nearly every weekend every other at the very least. Um, but just prepping our food plots, um, we have, I think, six or seven plots on the property. And uh, 
basically, you know, start even in early spring, if we're going to expand anything, um, we're, you know, prepping to burn, um, last year's grass and stuff like that. Um, frost seeding our clover plots, getting all that stuff prepared. Uh, once we get into the summer, early summer, or I guess early late spring, early summer, um, we usually try to plant corner beans in our plots, but the deer density on our property is absolutely insane. And, uh, they completely destroy every bean we plant. Uh, we plant, tried planting corn last year. They were eating the leaves off the corn before they could even grow any kind of cob. So pretty much destroyed whatever corn we were trying to grow. Um, our best luck that we've had on the property by us is, uh, Clover plots, they constantly replenish themselves. And uh, radish, turnips, um, uh, and winter rye is probably uh, our main go-to. We usually plant the radish, turnips, and like winter rye uh, right at the beginning of August every year um, to get those plots ready. But last year was our first year planting winter rye, and it was an absolute game changer. Uh, those deer seem to even prefer that over the radishes and rye. Uh, we also do, I guess, in uh, in late spring, early summer, we also plant uh, Milo sorghum, uh, which has been surprisingly pretty good over the last couple of years. Uh, this year, I think it's like one of our first years, though, that uh, the heads on the Milo, uh, they go through a, a doughy stage where they form in the, the grain, and usually the deer destroy it when it's going through that stage. But this year, we've got actually a good amount of grain that uh, will be standing there probably till late season. So um, that's what we're usually trying to aim for as our late season food. But uh, yeah, I mean, basically um, that's kind of the breakdown of what we do for food plots. Um, stand work, we always try to um, add a couple stands here and there every year, um, make adjustments as needed as we kind of, you know, based off of what we saw the previous year hunting and how the deer moved on our property. But uh, after five years of hunting it, we've got a pretty good idea of what to do or do on our property and, uh, and how to hunt them. So it's pretty cool to finally be at the stage we're at right now. Um, cause it took a little bit to, to get where we're at to constantly see big bucks, try to pattern big bucks, um, and get to that spot. So, um, another big thing that I would encourage anybody, um, is cell cams. It has definitely made our hunting, uh, a lot better over the last two years. Uh, last year was actually our first year uh, having the cell cams, and it, it just allows you to pattern a deer so much easier than having it go pull cams all the time. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of basically what we, we do on that property. Yeah. Oh, I I agree with, with the st- um, cell cameras. We, we started using uh, cell cameras, too, I think last year. Um, I check that shit like it's like Facebook. I go on there every morning. <laughs> I'm looking. I look at my. I mean, I'm in Madison, so I'm. I'm in Northwest Wisconsin, so I'm. I'm three and a half hours from Madison North, and I, yeah. I don't get to. I don't get to hunt as much. I've been starting to hunt some public around here, but um, I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is check. I check my phone for trail camera pics and. My girlfriend's always like, you're not supposed to go on your phone as soon as you wake up in the morning. I'm like, I got to make sure there's no deer on the camera here. Right. Uh, but um, when you were talking about food plots, I had, a question, or I had something. What are you guys using um, 
do you just kind of go to like local fleet farm? Do you guys go to, what do you get? Do you guys have someone that you go through for, for food plots? Yep. We, uh, we have a, a guy that sponsors us. It's called uh, bucket ready. Okay. Um, it is, I think based out of Appleton, Wisconsin. Oh, cool. Just a guy that, that does this kind of on the side, I think. And, uh, but his, his radish seeds and everything are, freaking awesome yeah <laughs> you should see our, our radish plots this year on one of our plots it, i mean since it was so warm everything kept growing mm-hmm. but i mean our radish leaves are literally up to our waist i mean if it's not even a little higher like it our we can't even hardly put a cell cam in there because you can hardly see the deer walk through it Jesus, that's awesome yeah it, it yeah they turned out really good this year have you, so, have you, I've heard just people, they always are like, well, they're not eating the bulbs of, of the radishes. Do you guys have deer that you can see, you know, maybe later season, um, actually eating the radishes or early season too? Oh, 100%. We have them eat the bulbs pretty much every year. Um, it, it definitely takes, I think, a little later in the year, I would say, um, towards the middle of November is when they really start hitting them. But yeah, you can see them munching on a bulb. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny actually watching them try to eat those things. But yeah, they, they definitely hit them when they need the, the food. So yeah. And this year's, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but this year seems a little different. I mean, it's been so warm, uh, into October like this that I feel like some of the deer maybe are staying in the clover or alfalfa fields, uh, um, so yeah, far. No. I would agree with that. We have one of our clover plots that has never been this hot ever, and uh, we're getting some of our best activity. And it's just, a, a, you know, quarter to half acre clover plot. It's nothing huge. And the amount of bucks that we've had in that plot and does is absolutely insane. So, yeah, our, and I think that's why our radish plot has gotten so tall this year. They're, they're staying out of that until probably later. Yeah. Yeah. I just, just noticing even driving around, um, you'll see, I, you know, my, my cousins are cash coppers and, you know, the corn and beans are coming off, you know, I figured they would be out in the cornfields here soon, but we, uh, we went shining the other night and it was like not a single deer, uh, you know, was in the, was in the cornfields and I was like, what the hell, you know? And then, mm-hmm. you know, every clover alfalfa field we drove by, um, it was it was covered in deer. So yeah, that's what we've seen the last few years too. Is just that that alfalfa, if that's still standing or clover, they'll they'll hit that first. Yeah, yeah. When it starts getting cold and they need a little more protein, they'll mm-hmm. they'll, they'll make their way. Um, and then for for tree stands, kind of, you know, I just kind of watched just from watching your episode the other day. Uh, do you guys have just like permanent stands or do you, have you guys kind of gotten into the saddle game or, uh, try to become a little more mobile? Yeah, we, we haven't ever gotten into the saddle game really that much yet. Um, what we basically do is, uh, we do a lot of hang on stands. Um, since we hunt a lot of private ground, a lot of our stands are permanent. Um, we don't have double stands, unfortunately though, on every tree yet. So, a lot of times we're still carrying in one stand to hang it um, to get a guy up there for filming. But for the most part, yeah, it's, it's just permanent hang-on stands that we use. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I mean, when you got your own property like that, and like you said, you've been right. there for a few years now, It's you kind of you figure it out. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
you know, I just I was kind of thinking about this too. Uh, with you know, with trail cameras, cell cameras, and stuff, you can you know, it's easier to kind of pattern pattern deer. Um, you know, have you seen much success in early season versus rut? Uh, I know on your guys' episode you're using decoys, which is pretty awesome too. Um, but what's your kind of game plan going into early season? Um, early season, um, we try not to pressure our property too much. And I actually have seen it, I feel like, over this past year, um, the benefits of that. Because it's been so hot, I haven't wanted to push it too much besides some night hunts. Yep. And uh, probably in the last six years, this is probably the least we've hunted it. And the amount of buck activity already um, is way increased in our past, from our past years. But mainly, um, we'll try to shoot some does early season. Uh, we've got a pretty pretty bad doe problem on our property. Um, way too many. We each get, uh, I think it's like three tags for the bow and three for the gun. Um, so my goal this year was to shoot between 10 and 15. We're at three right now. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll blast them during gun hunting too. But um, yeah, basically it's just, just hunting over those food plots. Um, we did pattern a buck here from the end of September. Oh uh, yeah. Probably from like the 20th of 20th of September to the beginning of October. It was a really nice 10. Um, constantly, uh, where our standing camera was, it had to be pretty close to his bedding. We were getting him right before, right before dark or right after dark, walking out towards the neighbor's cornfield and coming back in the morning, either right at first light or in daylight, walking back to the bedding. Um, ended up hunting that deer a couple weeks ago, and uh, we're successful in seeing him. Um, ended up deciding to pass him because he's a really nice 10, and he's probably only three years old, three and a half years old, so uh, he's getting the pass this year. But like I said, the cell cameras, being able to pattern a deer, um, it's huge. So if you if you are patterning a deer early in the season, I think it's worth going after. Otherwise, we, we try to lay a little low and, and just hunt some evenings. Yeah. I have a you know a couple of people that I've been talking to back home. You know, when you're having a deer on camera like that, you know, in, in dark time, whatever, uh, nighttime, I feel like that first cold snap that comes along um, is, like, early season, that first cold snap that comes through, you know, a front, whatever mm-hmm. it is, that that is almost more predictable. I've heard, I mean, from people telling me, so predictable to be able to uh, kill a big buck. Um, when it comes to rut, it's it's things are a little less predictable. Even from watching your film, you can just see the deer running around. They they have no sense of direction of where they're going. They're following does. They don't give a shit what's going on. Um, but early right. season like that, when you can pattern a deer, uh, it's it's hotter than hell. And then when that first cold snap comes through, it's like you better get your ass in that tree stand because it's it's almost like uh, people. It's almost like it's gonna happen, right? Which yeah, I don't, this, I don't uh, know if you see that or not. A hundred percent, yeah. This weekend actually is probably <laughs> the coldest gonna. It, it's looking fine. I yeah. mean, actually, we'll be out. We'll be out tomorrow morning hunting. Because <laughs> um, it's it's gonna be sweet. Yeah. The weather is finally getting cold, so. 
Yeah, I, 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 I texted my cousin and I was like, "Hey, like, my dad, my dad's actually his boss." And I was like, "You tell your asshole of a boss that you're going to be taking off and you're going out hunting tomorrow morning because it's going to be cold out." So yeah, it's yeah, it's finally it's finally starting to cool off, um, almost into freaking mid October, but. Yeah, this is the latest I've ever seen it like yeah. this. But. Yeah, I mean, even farmers are, are taking off corn and beans, like, way before they ever have before. Right. Which is good. I mean, shit, if they can get all their corn yeah. and beans off before season gets good, more yeah, that's huge. Better, better for us. So but Yeah, like, like you were saying about how it's a little tougher in the rut pattern, I, I do agree. Yeah. Um, the buck, the buck I was after last year, had him pattern. Um, he was coming into a scrape almost every night or every morning. And first night I went in there, came into the plot, but ended up not coming to the scrape that I wanted, and ended up walking out of the plot and wouldn't come in. But then, kind of after that, you only if you can pattern a deer during the rut, I would say you only have a small window to try to make it happen before he changes it up again. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, they're they're looking for some tail too. So, yep. <laughs> they're they'll be sure. long gone. Um, well, I mean, you got cell cams, like you said. So, what is like you got a you got a goal kind of for this season? Uh, do you have some deer that you you would take? Yeah, we definitely do. Um, our property is mainly a rut property, so. Like a lot of our the bigger bucks won't move in until the crops are down. Um, so like within the last week and a half, we've got three more shooters on camera. Um, we definitely, I would say we've probably got four right now that I'd shoot. Um, and uh, they're definitely all four and a half or five and a half year old bucks. So it's just, they're very inconsistent right now and nothing nothing is very consistent on time or when they're hitting scrapes or coming in the spot. So, yep. um, as we go along here, I think, I think we'll definitely get even maybe one or two more bucks in here. That'll start running our property pretty good. We usually have a few bucks that tend to take territory on our property and, uh, we see quite a bit. So, yeah, that, that's not a, bro- a bad problem to have, I guess. No, not at all. So is your property, um, is there any, like, drain to it? Like, what is, is it swampy? Is it egg fields, wood? What is it? Yeah, Yeah, so when my dad first showed me the property before he bought it, I absolutely thought he was nuts. I'm like, I literally told him, I'm like, I think he might be going through a midlife crisis here. I I don't know about this property. Because our property is as flat as it can be. Um. 75% 75% of it is either um, some grass or swamp, like marshy grass, um, where it's wet. One of our 40s on our property, we don't even hardly hunt because it's all wet marsh grass, which acts as a, a perfect bedding. Um, and then we've got uh, smaller tamarack woods on one corner of our property and then an oak woods on the other part of our property. Um but basically, our property just acts as a, a huge bedding area. I mean, we've got egg fields all around our property. So basically, they're eating in those egg fields and bedding in our property. So it's definitely 
pretty unique, but it also, it holds so much deer. I mean, in the rut, it's not uncommon for us if we sit all day to see 15 to 20 different bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I, I would agree those, I mean, from where I'm from, it's, it's bluff country, which I mean, I love, Mm -hmm. I love bluff country. That's, that's my kind of hunting land, but I've, I uh, I follow some people who are like land managers or uh, people who sell hunting land, and that's kind of what I've I've wanted to get into uh, when I'm done with school. I, I'd like to do real estate, and they just kind of said mm-hmm. like, you know, if you're if you're looking to buy a property, you don't want to spend you know a shitload of money with with how expensive land is right now. You, you you might as well put your money into a piece of property that's a little swampy. People not thinking that it's gonna produce um, deer. Uh, because they they they're sometimes sleepers like you can get oh, on yeah. a piece of property like that and I, I can i mean i've never seen your property but i can guarantee the trails going through those swamps are like freaking highways oh they are yeah they really are yeah so i i agree i think some of it it's kind of a pain in the ass to figure out how to hunt maybe but yeah for sure for bow hunting wise it, it does get kind of tough because we are limited on trees and area we can hunt but we make it work yeah no hell yeah that's awesome um so you said um earlier that those guys kind of invited you out to to north dakota getting away from wisconsin um what uh what is that like out there just give me a rundown of what it's like out there yeah that's a it's a whole different ball game it's uh it's pretty sweet out there um, there's a ton of public land that you can hunt. Um, but basically, I mean, it's, it's as flat as can be, um, super rural, um, hardly, hardly any trees. But I mean, when we're out there, um, we're basically what we're looking for is three things. And that's, uh, a big enough marsh that would be able to hold deer. So, I mean, it's kind of similar to the property we hunt back home. So we're always looking for, a big marsh, uh, uh, some egg food around it, whether that be corn or beans, uh, preferably beans, um, or alfalfa, which is pretty rare to find out there. But if you do find an alfalfa field, that is a gold mine out there. Um, it's actually what I ended up killing my buck over last year. But, uh, and the third thing is just a tree or two or something to try to get up into. Otherwise we do, we have hunted out of some ground blinds there. Um, but yeah, those are the three main things you want to try to find when you're hunting in that area. But we've been, we've been pretty fortunate. Like I said, we, they accepted us out there, um, and, uh, pretty much helped us find new spots and help us show us where some good areas were. Uh, we're pretty lucky that we get to stay out and, uh, camped in Coda and hang out there, uh, which is pretty neat. So it, it, I absolutely love hunting out there. It, it's just, it's just different. Yeah. There's nobody around. I mean, um, you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere, but it's pretty cool. There's yeah. some pretty big bucks out there too. Yeah. First off, where, where did the name Dinkota, where did they think of that? So a shack that we stay in, it's pretty dinky. So, okay. uh, it's just, that's what they call the shack, but, yeah. uh, it's a pretty crazy story on that. Uh, they had been hunting out there for quite a few years and just staying in hotels or camping. And, 
ended up meeting uh, this older couple at the bar one night. I think it was a bar or gas station or something. And uh, ended up getting to know them really well and uh, actually let them build the little shack on their private property. Um, so, which was very fortunate. I mean, when they allow us to like hook up their electricity and, um, it's awesome. There, there's some pretty sweet people and, um, we're very lucky to have them out there. Yeah, no, that's super cool. It's, it's different out there. People, people, uh, they're, they're a lot more accepting out there. I feel like some people, at least I know for sure. Um, I went to school at South Dakota state my first year. And okay. when I, when I got out there, a couple of guys, um, I was on the wrestling team out there and, and a couple of guys hunted or actually a lot of guys hunted that were on the team and they're like, Hey, let's, you know, let's go hunting. So they took me out hunting and from where I'm from, I mean, it's he, like, we have a shitload of trees up North. So it's like, mm-hmm. I went out there and I was like, where do you guys sit? Like, it was so foreign to me when I went out there, I was like, there's like ten there's like a fence line with some like maybe ten trees on it and I'm like he's like, Well we can sit right up in there. I was like, There's not gonna be a deer coming for a mile away. I mean we can't see anything. He's like, No, just just trust me. And we would end up seeing deer they just come out of wherever, swamps and in the fields and shit and I was like, How do you guys hunt this? It's definitely it's a little it's more challenging when you go out there versus, you know, having a piece of private property back home. So that makes it a lot more For fun sure. and, and even more rewarding when you do kill something. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Um, what do you, so do you just hunt mainly whitetails or do you, do you kind of, do you go turkey? I mean, you're turkey hunting and shit, but. Yeah, mainly just whitetails. I haven't ventured really off into the meal deer or elk yet. Um, that's something I really want to get to into the next couple of years, but, um, the, the North Dakota thing has been pretty fun. That's been my first out-of-state hunt. So um, last year was actually my first out-of-state hunt. Otherwise, it's all been Wisconsin stuff. So uh, my buddy Brandon this year, he's got a lease in Illinois. So we're, we're going down to that. That's the White Hills too. So um, we're trying to slowly start expanding our, our territory, get it, getting some points for a bow tag in Iowa. Hopefully have that in a year or two. And, uh, yeah, kind of just trying all different areas. But, um, should be able to pull a bear tag within a year or two as well. So, um, yeah, but other than that, we, we hunt lots of turkeys. Mm-hmm. Um, we get into that pretty, pretty heavily here. Two years ago, I think we shot eight or nine. Last year was a little slow every year. We only got like five or six, I think. So, yeah, I found um, that too. I missed yeah. a few too. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I also would love to be able to go out west and hopefully someday be able to harvest an elk and a mule deer. And I feel like that's everyone's kind of dream, you know? Right, yeah. It's a whole other ball game too, so. And a couple of guys, yeah. A couple of guys on, on you guys' team, they they also went out west, right? Yep, They a couple of guys usually go out mule deer hunting or, or elk hunting, so. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Well, um, do you kind of have a, a story that sticks out best from since joining the, the breaking point, maybe one of your kills or something? Um, let's see here. 
Um, yeah, I mean, the first the first uh, out-of-state hunt was definitely pretty special for me. Um, uh, it was a first out-of-state hunt, first hunt with the breaking point, first time really having camp with them. Um, it was out in North Dakota last year, and uh, we hunted hunted pretty hard after some pretty big deer, and uh, ended up on the fifth day out there, um, it was like our third encounter with this buck already. It was like a velvet nine pointer, um, ended up coming in. Well, so the crazy story is, I guess after there's some more details here. Um, so we hunted this spot. It was our third spot that or third time we hunted that spot. Um, two nights prior, um, I had, uh, um, taken a shot at a coyote. Not sure if I hit it real great. Um, ended up trying to track it for blood, um, but couldn't, I couldn't end up finding it because it ran into this really thick marsh. Um, so what ended up happening was the next day we got in there and uh, he definitely had died because we could smell him. <laughs> the wind was blowing in our direction. And uh, um, we uh, we had a, a pretty decent 10 in velvet come walking in. He was going to come 20 yards broadside. He ended up getting to like 50 yards and he, he got the, the wind of that dead coyote and uh, knew something was up. So he ended up taking off and I didn't get a shot at him. Well, the buck I ended up shooting was also standing out in the marsh grass at that time. Watches this buck just take off running away. I'm like, Oh geez. We're going to spook both of these deer here. Well, the buck um, that was just standing in the grass stood there for, I don't know, 20 minutes probably, just standing there looking, not knowing what to do. All of a sudden, there's a couple does that walk past him towards the alfalfa field, and he ends up start following them and getting on the train with them. Uh, walked out to the alfalfa field, and then uh, I was able to get a shot at him. But uh, it was kind of crazy how... Um, not finding that coyote and not getting it out of there ended up might have almost screwing us over. But uh, ended up getting that buck. And then two days later, uh, uh, Brandon was out there with me and we were able to uh, um, shoot another buck within like the last five minutes of the hunt. I mean, we were about to call it and pack her up and, and all of a sudden the buck, buck walked right in and he shot him with, I think, two or three minutes left of the season. Um, that was pretty special. That was our last day of the hunt, and we were going home the next day anyway. So to be able to kill two bucks on our first out-of-state trip was, was pretty special. Yeah, that's that's pretty badass. Um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, if you're anything like me, which obviously it sounds all you kind of think about is, is hunting and, and being outdoors and spending time with your buddies. Um, is there anything outside of hunting that you do? Um, hunting pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, filming. Other than that, I don't know, go to the bar and watch some sports every once in a while. Hell yeah. Right on. No, that's awesome. Where can, uh, where, where can everyone find you? What's, where do they find you? Uh, yeah, you can find our show, um, at B point. TV on uh, Instagram. Uh, the show's on 
YouTube. Uh, you can get the, the Waypoint TV app, and all of our episodes are on there. If you have a Roku TV, you can get the Breaking Point channel. Uh, I believe we're on Amazon Prime TV as well. Um, so there's a bunch of different ways. All our videos are on Instagram and uh, Facebook as well. Um, but you can find me at on Instagram at D Gelig. Um, and yeah, follow us along and and uh, like I said, like I said a couple times this show, I think we make some pretty badass content. So I I would agree. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day. I know you you're busy as hell, so. I appreciate you coming yeah, out here and talking with me. Not a problem. All right. It's, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to stay connected. For sure. Good luck this season. All right. Yeah, you too, man. All right. We'll see you later. Yep. Take care. That's it, guys. Thanks all for listening and tuning in to the Rush Valley Podcast. Please give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook. Again, thanks, everyone, so much for listening to this podcast. Um, the feedback, again, means a ton. Um, without you guys, I wouldn't be able to do this stuff. So I really appreciate you reaching out to me and, and being like, hey, fix this. You suck at this. Or, hey, keep doing this. So, um yeah, I, I can't. I appreciate you guys a lot. Also, we do have some shirts now. Um, not a ton left, so um, contact me if you want one. I got some hats coming in here, so if you guys want a hat, let me know. I might do a little pre-order sale. Uh, I spent a lot of money and time on this stuff, so if you guys do want some, uh, seriously, contact me and we'll uh, we'll get you hooked up with some gear. Otherwise, tune in to the valley, baby.